Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we will be recapping all of the action that occurred on week two of this beautiful college football season. It was definitely not a week that disappointed at all. We had a couple major upsets that occurred, one up in South Bend, Indiana with Notre Dame, and the other in Aggieland regarding the Texas A&M Aggies. But anyway, guys, before we do start today's episode recapping all this college football action, please make sure that you do check out Anchor.fm's monthly supporter program. It's $4.99 a month, but it does definitely help me better the podcast, the quality, everything like that for all of you beautiful people. And it helps me know that you truly do support me, you know, being able to give you all these fantastic episodes. But besides that, it's not required or expected or anything like that. I'm thankful for y'all simply listening, following, rating, whatever it might be. Thank y'all for being amazing supporters. And, you know, guys, I don't want to waste your time. So let's get right into today's episode. Let's talk about college football week two now obviously the headline going into week two was the alabama versus texas game the crimson tide traveling to austin texas to take on the texas longhorns and honestly i was very shocked along with probably the whole college football world and how this game actually went now originally bama was favored by i think like 18 and a half points it was supposed to be a blowout on bama's side and you know this game was completely the opposite of that as Texas's defense looks completely revamped, and this pains me to say, but they look revamped under former TCU head coach Gary Patterson, and I mean, they just actually look like they were very dominant, and not only were they just dominant over a team, they were they were dominant over the number one team in the country in Alabama. Now, Bryce Young definitely had a lot of struggles early on, you know, some passes he just didn't make, or this and that, but he did he he was clutch when they needed him towards the end of the game when they would eventually he would lead him down the field for the game winning field goal but nothing less it definitely was a game that kind of exposed some of Bama's weaknesses and you know honestly I think this was actually a win for Texas in a way because it proved that you know they are as dominant as they say they are now another storyline for this game excuse me guys another storyline for this game was the fact that Texas actually lost their starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers, to a very, and I mean, it looked nasty, a nasty shoulder injury he got when he was driven into the ground by Alabama defender. Now, it wasn't a dirty hit or anything like that. It was just football, and unfortunately, these things do happen in football, so don't start moaning and everything like that, all on the internet saying it was dirty and everything like that. It was not dirty. Let me just get that right out of the way. It shouldn't have even been roughing the passer because, honestly, there's not much he can do when his forward momentum is going into the ground and he's tackling the quarterback. But regardless, Quinn Ewers would leave the game, head to the locker room, you know, checking for x-rays and everything like that, and then he would return to the game in street clothes and in a sling. So not a good sign for any UT fans, but that definitely was a huge momentum boost for Alabama because Quinn Ewers was absolutely dishing up against that Texas defense. He had him and Xavier Worthy just look like arguably the best duo in all the country. And honestly, I think that was the main reason why Alabama did win this game because I think if Quinn Ewers was still in the game, it probably would go in favor of the Longhorns. But nothing less, Alabama would defeat Texas 20-19 to in a walk-off uh, field goal by their kicker. So there's a lot of improvements that both teams need to do. You know, unfortunately, on Texas' side, it just they really, unfortunately, couldn't pull it out due to the fact that also their backup quarterback Hudson Card he also was injured too, as he was I think he had a leg injury and was kind of hobbling throughout the game. So Texas really was getting devoured by injuries. But Bijan Robinson had a nice day. Xavier Worthy had a nice day. 
And honestly, I want to shout out that Texas defense for really stepping up when it mattered the most. And, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> I think Texas, I'm not going to say they're back, but definitely Texas has some good momentum going into the rest of the season. And honestly, I think they deserve to be ranked. I know it's kind of unusual for a team to you know jump into the top 25 after a loss, but they played the best team in the country, and they should have, and they should have honestly beat them because not only, and I don't know, I'm starting to kind of sound like a UT fan with all the stuff I'm ranting about, but you know this game was so monumental for you for UT because this really was a determination and test to see how they would kind of translate over to the SEC, and obviously they looked solid. They finally were using the talent they had the right way. They're finally getting the most out of it, and. I think the future is very bright down there in Austin for the UT Longhorns. But anyway, we've got more games to cover, but I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about the Alabama and Texas game. Now, the next game that I want to talk about is number three, Ohio State, taking on Arkansas State. Once again, this was more one of those we'll pay you money to come up and you know join us. And honestly, Ohio State definitely needed this game after a very lackluster game they had against Notre Dame last week where they only put up 21 points. And another headline in this Ohio State game was the fact that their star wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, was not playing. So, huge crush to the offense. But nothing Marvin Harrison Jr., the son of NFL Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison Sr., he had an absolutely brilliant day. C.J. Stroud absolutely balled out as the Buc Buckeyes were going to beat the Red Wolves of Arkansas State 45-12 to up in Columbus at the Horseshoe. Now, the next game we're going to talk about is Iowa State traveling to Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes and their lackluster offense. Now, this game originally started out with Iowa actually getting a touchdown. This was their first touchdown of the game. So the Hawkeyes had finally scored. They finally got an actual touchdown, but... Unfortunately, they would not score the rest of the games. Iowa State would just defensively continue to destroy them, and Iowa would still have a lot of offensive struggles as the Cyclones would go on to beat the Hawkeyes 10-7. to So Iowa State finally got over the hill and beat their in-state rival, the Iowa Hawkeyes. And honestly, it's a very concerning time right now to be a Hawkeye fan because y'all only have a total of 14 points this season. So, yeah, definitely not something to be excited about if you are an Iowa fan. Anyway, guys, the next game that we are going to talk about on this absolutely beautiful Saturday that was college football week two, we're going to talk about Wake Forest, the 23rd ranked team in the country, traveling up to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now, this game honestly probably could have gone in Vandy's favor if, you know, and thankfully Sam Harton was clear to play after he was doing after he was dealing with a lot of blood clots and Finally, they got them all cleared up and everything like that. Because originally, he was he was out indefinitely because they didn't kind of have a timetable on when he would come back. But luckily for Wake Forest, and honestly, very good for Sam Hartman for his health, he did, he actually was able to come back. And man, is Wake Forest a whole completely different team when they've got Sam Hartman as their starting quarterback? As Wake Forest would go on to beat Vanderbilt twenty five. Or they would go. On, oh my gosh, I'm reading it wrong. Wake Forest would go on to beat Vanderbilt 45 to 25 in what was a very offensively dominant game by the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. Anyway, guys, the next game we're going to talk about is South Carolina traveling to Fayetteville to take on the 16th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, in this game, by no means was South Carolina a bad team or anything like that. I just honestly, personally think. That Arkansas is just a very dominant team and they deserve a lot more credit than they're currently being given because 
they easily just up not upset, but they easily beat one of the best teams in the SEC East in South Carolina. Now Spencer Rattler, which is obviously y'all probably wondering how he did, he actually didn't do that bad. He went 24 for 39, 376 passing yards, one touchdown and one interception. And then on the opposite side for Arkansas, their quarterback KJ Jefferson had himself a brilliant day as he went 18 for 21, 162 passing yards and one TD. So definitely an amazing day. And then out on top of that, KJ also had 19 carries for 67 yards and one touchdown. So, yeah, it was just honestly, Arkansas's offense was too much for the Gamecocks as the Razorbacks would take down South Carolina 44-30. to So, but anyway, I mean, and another thing for South Carolina fans, y'all don't have a bad team by any means. Y'all still are having to rebuild and get eventually a lot of your recruits in the 2023 class to come in. But honestly, they have been kind of lackluster for a team that was expected to potentially compete in the SEC. So we're just going to have to wait and see how they continue to, you know, do and everything like that. But... Honestly, I really expected a lot more out of uh, South Carolina. Now, the next game we're going to talk about is the Southern Miss Golden Eagles traveling over to Miami to take on the 15th-ranked Miami Hurricanes. And honestly, at halftime, I really thought Miami could have potentially been on upset alert as they were only beating Southern Miss, who was, who was already 0-1 to begin the season, 10-3 at halftime. And it definitely was looking concerning, but... Miami balled out in the uh, second half as they would score uh, 20 points to beat Southern Miss 32-7. Miami, they're looking very solid. I don't expect them to potentially compete for the college football playoff, but definitely a New York Six Bowl game could be something we could probably end up seeing the Miami Hurricanes in. And now kind of the final afternoon or early afternoon or I don't even know. It's kind of weird depending on where your time zone is. Kind of like the early afternoon game slate, so to speak. The final game of the afternoon game slate that I want to talk about is Missouri traveling to Kansas State to take on the Wildcats. And, oh boy, did this game not go how I thought it would for Missouri because Missouri offensively was non-existent and their defense was as well as Kansas State would ta- would beat their uh, cross-state rival Missouri 40-12. to now, Deuce Vaughn had himself a day, not really shocking at all, but I think Kansas State as a whole definitely deserves a lot more respect than they're being given because they potentially could probably end up in the Big 12 championship game if they continue to ball out they, the way they are. Now, I know it's kind of a stretch, but say Oklahoma slides, say Texas has another you know uh, second half of the season where they just completely slide. I feel like Kansas State could potentially push for a chance in the Big 12 championship game. And, you know, if they do make it, remember this episode that we talked about it because I definitely want my credit for saying it. (laughs) But anyway, guys, let's talk about the uh, late afternoon slate of games. And this was where it definitely started to spice up a lot more in the first game that I want to talk about. And this one brings me so much joy is the Appalachian State versus number six ranked Texas A&M game. This game was played at Kyle Field and College Station, a home game for the Aggies. And honestly, everyone probably thought A&M should have at least won the game. I knew they were not going to blow out App State because App State's offense, in my opinion, was a lot better than Sam Houston's. I mean, they put 63 up on North Carolina. And North Carolina by no means has a decent defense, but, I mean, come on now. It's... I mean, that's ridiculous. 61 points, that's still a huge margin to score. But anyway, Appalachian State's defense deserves a lot of credit for how they played in this game because they held the Aggies to only 7 points in the first half. Yes, 
the number one overall recruiting class in the class of 2022 only put up seven points and their class consisted of five five stars 24 espn top 300 recruits and i think it was four top 10 recruits they had they had the number two wide receiver and evan stewart commit to them they had another top five wide receiver commit to them and all they could put up was seven points against an appalachian state team that gave up 63 to north carolina a week ago AM fans it is definitely concerning right now haynes king i'm sorry i get he has potential but he should not be the starting quarterback of the AM aggies he shouldn't Bring in Max Johnson. Bring in the semi-veteran who has already had a decent amount of playing time. He absolutely balled out against your team in the season finale last year. He deserves to be getting playing time. Haynes King, he needs to develop a lot more because obviously something's not going right. Jimbo Fisher threw a fit pretty much the whole game with how this game was played. But App State, they just honestly, they deserve this game as they would go on to beat the 6th ranked Texas A&M Aggies in our first upset game of the day. 17 to 14. Now, AM fans, y'all are officially out of the college football playoff. Like, you're not going to make it unless by some reason Alabama, Georgia, and all those other schools, Ohio State, they, they lose a horrifically bad game. AM has no chance at making the college football playoff, but that does not mean they cannot potentially make a New York Six bowl game. But it's looking very slim if they lost to an Appalachian State team at home. That's definitely not a way you want to start off this season, especially the fact that you have a tough schedule coming up ahead of you as you face Miami next week. Now that game, I honestly, I would pick Miami in that game. And I know we'll talk a little bit about it in the uh, preview that's going to come out on uh, Thursday. But, I mean, dude, it's just, I honestly am baffled at the fact that Texas A&M couldn't even at least manage 14 or more than 14 points against an Appalachian State defense which i know they're known for getting a lot of interceptions but i mean north carolina put 63 on them a&m has a better offense than that talent wise and they couldn't even put and they couldn't even put up 21 i mean that's just a huge disappointment by jimbo fisher and that a&m offense and honestly for the money they spent to get all these recruits they, there should be a lot more production out on the field but anyway well, i'm not going to rant too long about that but the next game i want to talk about and the next upset that i want to talk about is the Marshall Thundering Herd taking on the Notre, the 8th ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish up in South Bend. Yeah, Marcus Freeman. Um I don't really know who to blame this game on because I honestly did not really watch a lot of the Notre Dame Marshall game because I figured Notre Dame would probably blow them out of the water because no offense, they are one of the more talented teams in the country, but Obviously, there is something right now in Notre Dame that needs to be addressed. I know quarterback play is definitely a huge concern as their, as their, uh, as Notre Dame starting quarterback Tyler Bushner. He went 18 for 32, 201 yards, and two picks with no touchdowns. Definitely very concerning. And, you know, the kind of funny thing is Marshall's starting quarterback is former Utah State and Texas Tech starting quarterback Henry Columbia which I mean, as a TCU fan, I remember playing him a couple times, and he actually balled out. He went 16 for 21, 145 passing yards with one touchdown. So a very solid day for him. And Marshall overall, they just were phenomenal. I mean, they honestly, they just balled out against a team that really should have blown them out of the water as Marshall would go on to beat Notre Dame 26-21 to with a game-sealing pick six as this would become the second upset of the day. 
And, I mean, honestly, this is why we love college football. We love games like this. We love when the underdogs beat these highly overrated teams. And, in my opinion, Notre Dame is definitely that. I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you've got to be concerned because Marcus Freeman in his three games, and you're one in three, he was the uh, head coach of the Oklahoma State game last year in the Fiesta Bowl. You've definitely got to be concerned a little bit because it seems like the offensive production is just non-existent. There's, there's just nothing. You're not getting anything out of your quarterbacks. You're not really getting anything out of your wide receivers, running backs, everything like that. So there's got to kind of raise the question, what are we going to do on offense? And then also to add on top of that, the defense has got a good couple pieces. But besides that, there's nothing really that's going to be able to compete against teams like Alabama and Ohio State. So once again, there's definitely a lot of concerning things going on right, right now in Notre Dame. But there's no reason to freak out yet. This is his first full season as the head coach. I know losing to Marshall definitely does not help anybody, but you've got to remember at the same time, it is just his first season. Give him another year, see how that goes. If he doesn't do good next year, did try and move on. That's perfectly fine, but you also got to remember he's bringing in a top five recruiting class next year, and that will definitely boost a lot of the depth for Notre Dame, as well as they will also be getting 2024 uh, four-star quarterback DJ Carr in the 2024 class, so... Hopefully they will be getting their quarterback of the future when he enrolls at Notre Dame. But anyway, let's not talk too much about that. But seriously, Marshall deserves a lot of credit for taking down the number eight fighting Irish up at Notre Dame. Now the next afternoon game that I want to talk about, and you know it wasn't an upset or anything like that, but I mean I guess you could call it an upset when you look at rankings, but we all knew who really was going to end up winning this game. And that was number 24, Tennessee, traveling up to Pittsburgh to take on number 17, Pitt. Now, this game, honestly, it looked like Pitt was going to run away with it in the first quarter. I mean, Pitt's offense was just pure ridiculous. Their um, tight end, Bartholomew, had an amazing hurdle over a Tennessee defender. And I was like, okay, you know, Pittsburgh's going to run away with this. Uh, and like Lee Corso would always say, not so fast, my friend, because Tennessee out in the second quarter would score 17 to go into the half. 24 to 17 over to uh, uh, Pittsburgh and then in the second half they didn't score a lot but Tennessee would go on to beat Pitt 34 to 27 as Hendon Hooker had himself a magnificent day as he went 27 for 42 325 passing yards and two touchdowns Keaton Slovis on the opposite side with Pitt didn't have himself, didn't have himself a horrible day as he went 14 for 24 195 passing yards with one touchdown and one interception Definitely could have been better, but I think for Pitt, most of their offense came in the in the form of their uh, running back, Israel. I'm about to I'm about to so badly butcher this, Israel Abenkanda, who had 25 rushes with for 154 rushing yards and one touchdown. He also had a 76 yard touchdown run, and I mean honestly, Pitt is not a bad team, but they are not the Kenny Pick. Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison led Panthers that they were last year. So, once again, they're not a bad team. They definitely still deserve credit, but at the same time, let's not overhype them. I mean, they're going to be good. They're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with in the ACC, considering, you know, Clemson has shown a lot of struggles on offense with DJ Uigalele. So, it's just something to kind of monitor, but ultimately, Tennessee got the best of Pittsburgh as they would take them down. 34 to 27. Now, guys, let's kind of transition a little bit. Oh, no, actually, I, I want to say evening because technically these games finished in the evening, but they started in the afternoon, and it's just a whole mess. But anyway, the next 
late afternoon slate game that I want to talk about is no, is number 25 Houston traveling to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And honestly, and I hate to say this because of being a Big 12 fan, Texas Tech is looking very good this year. I mean, they honestly, offensively, they're looking very solid. Defense, there's a few things they need to get adjusted on, but offensively, the Red Raiders are going to be a very solid team. Houston, honestly, kind of a disappointment this year. They barely beat UTSA in a three-overtime game that, honestly, they should have blown them out of the water considering UTSA. I know they got a few transfers, but overall didn't have as much talent as Houston. But this game was really going to determine if Houston deserved to be in the top 25 as they were literally at 25. And now Texas Tech dethroned the Houston Cougars by a score of 33-30 to in a very thrilling uh, two-overtime win. So Texas Tech, Joey McGuire seems to be the guy that y'all needed. And, I mean, he's definitely changed the energy and mentality in that Texas Tech locker room. And honestly, as a TCU fan, I'm definitely excited to see how Tech does. And I'm not going to overhype him because they haven't started conference play yet. But... That definitely is a huge win over the Houston Cougars. Now, the next game that I want to talk about, as we do kind of transition over into our evening slate of games, is going to be the last upset game of the day, as this was between Georgia Southern traveling up to Lincoln, Nebraska, to take on the struggling Nat Nebraska Cornhuskers. And, oh, my goodness, is Scott Frost going to be fired at least in the next 24 hours? Honestly, this game easily should have been a win for Nebraska. The talent that they got in the transfer portal with Casey Thompson and O'Shawn Mathis from TCU and Texas, respectfully. I mean, they honestly should not be struggling this bad. They lost to a pretty bad Northwestern team who got upset. Not upset, but they got destroyed by Duke earlier in the day. And, you know, they barely escaped a win over North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, just North Dakota. So going into this game, there was a lot for Nebraska to prove that, hey, you know, we are something to kind of, you know, we, we can be a force in the Big Ten. Now, when me and my uncle we were talking before we went to the uh, TCU-Tarleton State game, I said, Nebraska's definitely going to struggle against Georgia Southern because this Georgia Southern team, they're not a bad team, you know, respectfully of themselves. They went out and they went out and hired former USC head coach Clay Helton to become their new head coach. And honestly, it's not a bad hire. I mean, Clay Helton, now that he's kind of at a smaller program, not as many expectations, he's going to flourish. And that's exactly what he did as Georgia Southern would go on to upset the Nebraska Cornhuskers 45-42 to up in Lincoln. So this game wasn't played down in uh, Georgia. This was played up in Lincoln in front of all of their fans. And, you know, it got so bad that the student section started chanting Fire Frost, you know, a Nebraska quarterback legend. So I think the Scott Frost era in Nebraska is definitely about to be over very, very soon. Expect him to end up being, you know, fired in the next 24 hours. Now I'm recording this on Saturday night, so he's probably going to be fired by the time the episode goes live. But... Man, I just don't understand, and it just confuses me because of all the talent these guys got in the transfer portal. You know, I just I don't know whether it's coaching or just player development or what it is in Nebraska, but something has got to change. And I think the first change that Nebraska needs in order to achieve going, you know, go back to their winning culture is definitely looking in a new direction and look and getting a new head coach that does not have the name Scott Frost. Now, Scott Frost, he flourished at UCF largely due to the fact that, the, no offense, it was easier competition. Now, it's kind of weird saying that, you know, that he just lost to Georgia Southern, but he also did have a lot of talented kids. As I mean, he still does in Nebraska, but 
it's one of those things where I just think he didn't have as many expectations, and now that he's at such a historically rich program like Nebraska, he's going to be expected to win. He's got a decent contract as well, and Nebraska fans are going to want their team to be a very solid program and to be taken serious, and obviously he just couldn't do that for him. So unfortunately, you know, this will probably end up being another severely bad losing season for Nebraska. Anyway, guys, the next game I want to talk about is and it's actually an ACC battle, and this was Boston College traveling to Blacksburg, Virginia to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies, who last week were upset by unranked Old Dominion. And Virginia Tech definitely was pissed off at the fact that they lost to Old Dominion last week as they would go on to beat a Boston College team that is very talented, in my opinion, on offense with guys like wide receiver Zay Flowers and quarterback, uh, what is this? I almost said Jokic, like Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets, but, um, Pete Jerkovic, who a couple years ago was seemingly, excuse me, guys, who was seemingly like one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks in all college football. He's kind of dipped down a little bit as Virginia Tech would go on to beat Boston College by the score of 27-10. I just found the score, so my bad, guys. I was kind of trying to scroll through ESPN and find the score, and finally I did find it. But anyway, the next uh, evening slate game that I want to talk a little bit about it's going to be the game between USC and Stanford. Now, USC, they got pushed up to 10th in the nation, you know, rightfully so, after they absolutely just demolished Rice last week. And, you know, they kind of backed it up in a performance against a team, you know, that they kind of tend to struggle with when they play them away. You know, they lost, I think it was four of their five last times that they've played in Stanford. But USC said, no, 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 we've got the talent this year. We honestly, we should absolutely blow them out of the water, and that's exactly what they did. Caleb Williams, the former five-star quarterback and Oklahoma quarterback, had an amazing day, definitely a Heisman-type candidate game as he went 20 for 27, 341 passing yards and four touchdowns as they would go on to absolutely obliterate the Stanford Cardinal 41-28. to Now, Jordan Addison as well, the addition that they got, the 2021 Belenikoff winner at Pitt, you know, the guy that they got to transfer over in the offseason, he had a fantastic day as he had seven receptions for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Mario Williams, the former Oklahoma wide receiver who came over with uh, Caleb Williams, he had a very solid day as well. Four receptions, 74 yards, and one touchdown. So I think, honestly, people should definitely buy into USC. I mean, this was a huge test for them, and they didn't disappoint against a team that they historically have always struggled against for some reason. And honestly, I do think USC, you should honestly expect them to potentially compete for the college football playoff and potentially a national championship. And I hate to, and I hate to say it, but, I mean, Lincoln Riley, for some reason, defense seems to be a little bit better. Now, I know, obviously, Stanford is not a high-powering offense, but they do have a few good pieces on offense, and the fact that USC was kind of able to hold them until kind of late in the fourth quarter was definitely huge because up until the fourth quarter, Stanford only had 14 points to uh, U uh, USC's. Let me count this real quick. You got 21, 14, 6. Let me do the math. They're 41 points. They're 41 points going into the fourth quarter, so, you know, USC led 41 to 14. Now, I don't want to say it's something to be concerned about, but I do think that USC doesn't need to kind of get comfortable in the fourth quarter when they're leading by a lot. But overall, a very dominant day by the Trojans over Stanford, and a huge win definitely for Lincoln Riley as it is as it is his first win in the Pac-12. Now, the next game we're going to talk about is Arizona State traveling to 11th-ranked Oklahoma State. Not too much to talk about. Most people had the Cowboys winning, and that's exactly what they did. 
Emory Jones, the Florida, uh, Florida, the former Florida quarterback, now Sun Devils quarterback, didn't have a really bad day at all. He, now he did have a 50% completion percentage as he went 12 for 24 with 223 yards passing and one touchdown. But on the opposite side, Spencer Sanders continues to dominate when it comes to being just an absolutely great quarterback as he went 21 for 38, 268 yards passing with two touchdowns, and he did have an interception. But nothing less, the pokes were too much for the Sun Devils as they would go on to beat Arizona State 34-17. to Now the next game I want to talk about, and you could technically say it's an upset game, but I wouldn't really say it's an upset game because... Once again, most people already had this team winning, but that was 20th-ranked uh, Kentucky traveling to the Swamp to take on the 12th-ranked Florida Gators. Now, Florida, after beating a very solid Utah team last week, who at that time was ranked 7, they had a lot of momentum going into it. Anthony Richardson, who had just got off a Heisman type of game, you know, he had a lot of huge expectations going into this game, and he definitely flunked. He, I will not lie, he definitely did not look that great as he went 14 for 35 passing with 143 passing yards and two interceptions. Now on the opposite side, Will Levis had a slightly better game. He went 13 for 24 with 202 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception as he would lead the Wildcats to a 26-16 win over the Florida Gators. Now is Florida overrated right now? Just a tad bit. Are they a bad team? No, by no means are they bad. Billy Napier, I think, is definitely going to bring Florida into a right direction. But I do think the hype got a little bit too much in their head because overall this was a game that I just – I didn't really watch too much of it. I watched some of the highlights and everything like that. But it was a game that I think uh, just Kentucky, honestly, was just more talented, and that's why they ended up beating Florida 26-16. to But nothing less, it wasn't a bad game. We all know Kentucky's is a very solid team, and – Obviously, the scoreboard, it showed. But anyway, guys, the next game that we are going to talk about is Washington State traveling up to Madison, Wisconsin, to take on the 19th-ranked Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers. Now, I mean, honestly, it doesn't take a genius to have expected Wisconsin to win this game, especially after the type of game that Braylon Allen, Wisconsin running back, had last week. I mean, you know, this should have been a game easily that Wisconsin should have won but hold the horses this is Washington State we're talking about for some reason they win a lot of these weird games as Washington State was somehow upset the 19th ranked Badgers 17 to 14 up in Madison yeah it, that's definitely not a loss I know that Wisconsin really wanted I mean honestly was Washington State didn't have a offensively dominant game either their starting quarterback Cameron Ward the former incarnate Ward transfer quarterback he went 17 for 28 200 yards passing one touchdown and two interceptions not horrible but the two interceptions is definitely alarming and then on the opposite side Graham Mertz really didn't have a bad game either he went 18 for 31 227 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception. Now, I know when you look at it, it's just stats. It doesn't tell the full story of the game. But at the same time, in my opinion, I feel like also it does kind of help you a little bit understand how the quarterbacks played. And honestly, I do feel like Wisconsin should have beat this, in my opinion, very lackluster Washington State team who is now 2-0 and on the season, mind you. And now Wisconsin is 1-1 and is definitely going to have to bounce back next week. Now, anyway, guys, to kind of finish off this beautiful Saturday that we did have of college football, we're going to be talking about number nine Baylor traveling up to Provo, Utah to take on the 21-ranked BYU Cougars. And, guys, was this an absolute slugfest of a game. I mean, 
it literally came down to the last play of the game, or I guess you could say the last play of the second overtime, as BYU and Baylor, apparently their kickers do not know how to kick field goals or PATs because there were so many missed kicks in this game. But once again, BYU proves that they somehow are able to play in pretty decent-sized games and win as they upset the ninth-ranked Baylor Bears. And this is a huge statement win for BYU as they will be joining the Big 12 next year, a.k.a. the same conference as Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, and many other schools. So, huge win for the Cougars. Now, don't get me wrong, Baylor, they played a pretty solid game on offense. Uh, Blake Shapin, Baylor's starting quarterback, he went 18 for 28 with 137 passing yards and one touchdown. Now, on the opposite side, BYU starting quarterback, Jaron Hall had an absolutely fantastic game as he went 23 for 39, 261 passing yards, and one touchdown. But Baylor just couldn't finish it off because in the overtime, whether it was missed kicks or just simply bad play calling, the BYU BYU Cougars overcame the Baylor Bears by a final score of 26 to 20. So watch out for the Cougs, man. They're looking pretty good this year. They'll have a tough test on the road against Oregon on Saturday, but... If they continue to play like this, we could potentially see the Oregon Ducks falling once again to BYU. But anyway, guys, that will wrap up week two of this beautiful college football season. I'm so glad that we have football back. We have NFL football literally on. Um, oh, my Lord. I'm trying to think. When am I going to post this recap? Uh, I'm going to post a recap on Monday like I always do, but I was thinking about doing it on Sunday. But then I remembered we got NFL football. So, But anyway, guys, we have a lot of NFL football going on tomorrow but for y'all it'll be on you know, you get the gist of it we have a lot of nfl football coming on so make sure to check out the nfl recap that'll come out on tuesday one day after this recap this recap comes out but anyway guys i hope y'all have a fantastic rest of y'all's weekend and i will see y'all back here on tuesday for the recap of the nfl week one so peace guys and i'll see y'all in the next one